You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce the guys over here. On my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby! Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Next to him, we've got Scott Gershon. Scott! Yay! Good night, Mike! <laughs> oh, it's good morning. I don't know. Hello. <laughs> Next to him, we've got the one and only Diego Stucco. Yes, and just for you guys to know, this is not my real accent. I'm thinking it, okay? <laughs> it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> for, for an Irishman, you do it a great uh, Great, great. great. Uh, and across from him, we've got the one and only Brandon Birdside. What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Good to see you, Brandon. And next to him, we've got um, a guy who needs a little personality, Mr. Nick Peck. Hello. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, and next to him, a guy who just had such a great time the last time he was here, Mr. Dennis Moody. Hi, Mike, how are you? And finally, joining us all the way from somewhere in the United States, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. This is Show 165, Rob Arbiter. Hello, everyone. And uh, according to the Yellow Pages, I'm in Philadelphia, so it's good to be here. It's good to see you, Rob, and it's good to see you awake, too. I mean, you're like awake. <laughs> that must be a Skype glitch, because I certainly don't feel awake, but it's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know what? You also look a little better today, too, so maybe you know it is a Skype glitch. That's Just kidding! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the nice, clean, uh, filly uh, air and high humidity. It's, it's awesome. adding a glow to your face. You know, It's, it's nice. the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, it's going to be a really good potpourri of a, of a couple things. On the back end of the podcast... Um, we're going to talk about making money. So <laughs> I just want everybody to be prepared because that's going to be a, be a topic. But on the front half, um, well, I'm going to start off with, first of all, remember last podcast? I was kind of on the edge, right, when I came in because I, I just suffered a colossal failure. There was some therapy that needed yeah, to happen. Yeah, definitely, right? Yeah. There was definitely some therapy. Well, let me just tell you. I'm going to give you an update on that really quick. It didn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> it did not get any better. As a matter of fact, it got significantly worse and and i wish i could tell you the specifics because it would kind of make more sense but let's just say i was asked to sound design something um went as far as went to record that object sound designing and then i had to make it sound like something else and it just was a bad idea okay just imagine if you're that's what was the phone call that you (laughs) (laughs) get okay yeah now i I know what you're talking about i was literally trying i called diego yeah i called brandon i called (laughs) all my sound designer friends well scott i figured you were busy but after (laughs) three of them you didn't lose (laughs) that's right all my sound designer friends and scott no 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 they don't let me out that much (laughs) (laughs) But but it, it was just it just didn't work. And it got me to a point to thinking, you know, sometimes your clients just have a bad idea. I mean, you can't necessarily do everything all the time. Sometimes yep. stuff just does not work. Yep. And I was put in that kind of a situation and just had to take it, right? And it, it got it got really ugly. So Mike, it got bad. One day uh, an ad agency or something like that in Italy asked me, would you be able to play uh, coffee-making equipment but to play Beethoven? <laughs> and, my, and I go, why? Why do you want me to hate myself 
An insult, <laughs> such a great artist. Why? I, Why? Let me tell you, the project I was working on was was a similar situation. Yeah, that's but, right. <laughs> but what people don't understand is, especially clients, is sometimes, you know, if you're going to replicate notes or you're going to replicate stuff, you, you got to have a noise that has some type of tonal quality to it. Yeah. It's got to have a – I mean, you could pretty much pitch change it up and down, but it's going to sound – like garbage, you know. Garbage sounds Same still thing like is not garbage. Easy. Yeah, and and the thing is, is I was giving them, I was giving them alternatives, not exactly the way they said. I said, look, if we can pull some tonal qualities out of this thing, then we can. We've got more to work with, you know. And and it, it was so bad. I literally had this come up. This happened. I'm sitting there talking with a client who, by the way, only spent about five minutes in the bay. Just came in, said didn't like it, and left. And like. <laughs> Expecting it for the magic fairies to come and fix oh, it. That's what we do. No. But I literally went up to the client and I said, "Well, can I put a little texture? Can I put a little tone behind it to kind of, kind of help it out, kind of fill it out a little bit?" And he looked at me and goes, "No, not even. It wasn't even like a no. It was like a no. Like, holy crap, he's gonna just jump down my throat." So I did the best. Did twelve versions of something for. Um, and they sounded good. I heard them. Yeah, and, oh. and Brandon heard them. I get, <laughs> I get the person who was taking it up, who was a, was like a producer, um, taking it up. Went to a meeting with the client, and the client literally said this: "said Maybe we need like a, like a." Bass or something behind it to kind of give it some total That's qualities. Why you wanted to strangle him. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! So it just—you know what? You don't always have victories. That's the moral of the story. The moral yeah. of the story is sometimes you lose, and if you're going to lose, lose big. <laughs> you know? I mean, exhausted. You can always do what we did. What'd you do? <laughs> we told you last week. <laughs> yeah, just say no in advance. That's how I do well, it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really not in a position being a you know a staff. You can't really, right, can't really right, do that. Yeah, well. But um, it's it's just interesting. It's just you don't always win. Work but, can be very challenging, Mike. It's you know what it, it is. And but I just wanted to say you know sometimes your clients have a bad idea. I mean, I'm sure we've already pro- all probably have worked with clients that have wanted to go down. And sometimes you can steer them, but other times if they're just too um, stubborn, you know, you just you can't do anything but just sit there and fail. So that sobbing sound you heard last week—that was me crying in my bed. <laughs> well, see, as as a producer, a music producer, I feel that I have to let every client do what they want to do to a certain degree. If somebody has an idea, I feel like, yeah, okay, let's try it no matter how stupid I think it's going to right. be, and knowing in advance it probably is going to work, in order to keep the peace, in order to keep them feeling involved, I almost have to say, I think you should say, you know, please try it. Yeah, let's do it. Well, But but it's different for you. You're not well, I gave him 12. I didn't say no. Like, I never said no. I was never a jerk to him. I was never a jerk. And you can't, you can't ever lose it because it's not worth making a bad situation worse. And I gave them 12 versions of what they wanted. The problem is what they wanted was such a horrific idea in the first place, mm. you know. And and I think we get to the point with technology that um, people think anything – you can do anything to anything. How did and it if, resolve? Um, TRC. They, you know what happened? <laughs> there was a change of concept on their end. They used a version that I did and changed their concept because their concept was – was not right, so they they had to change it on their end. And I think 
12 versions of something that's not quite right. You should know by then. Yeah, you should right. know by then. You know? <laughs> You've been way too patient. But, uh, but yeah, so it's just, you know, I just had to give you an update on that and just tell you that. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and I'm a failure. But, oh, come on. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, hey, but I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, I got a, a couple things I wanted to uh, touch base on. Number one, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who listened to the podcast that Dennis was on on Life Sound and actually brought up a really good, uh, a really good point, and I wanted to ask you. He was talking about heckling, <clears throat> about uh, yes. heckling, and you wanted to know – have you ever been heckled? Have you Absolutely. ever felt nervous or felt scared? Yeah, no, not scared. Uh, I feared for the people that were heckling me, though. That's six and a half feet. Tall. I mean, if you're in like Wembley <laughs> Stadium, right? You're mixing no one this, heckled this, me. This, yeah, I mean, you're just what? this giant thing. Like, I can't see you, right? Bobby. Uh, over at the Honda Center, remember? Yeah, yeah. I, I happened to be there. I, I watched it. Yeah. Pulled the guy out. What happened? Security was like just screaming and what going was off. What was he saying? Well, that's the place I told you that they we set up the PA, right, the right. PA design, and they go, those seats won't be open. Don't worry. That's and right. And all of a sudden, there's 200 on that side, 200 on that side. They said they couldn't hear, and people were just going nuts. You know, and but you I that. go, well, I don't know. What to tell you? Buy another ticket, better seat next time or something. <laughs> you know, so we we did what we were supposed to. Actually, the the sound company tech did put a little bit of fill up there, but you know, from two hundred feet away, you can't do much. But being heckled, what do you do? You just ask them. You know, try and be patient. And uh, I'm not at all. I don't take it very well. How fast? What's the fastest you've ever just started getting heckling? Like as soon as the the act came out? We blushed fast. About 15 (laughs) seconds into the set where you're just trying to get a handle on what it's going to be like with people and because it it can change drastically. You go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You're making your changes and people just, they just start, you know, like more drums. I go, I didn't ask you. (laughs) <laughs> sit down relax we'll be together now, didn't you do a sound check what did I tell you go sit down Ooh, that, actually that, that's, a bad one. that's a bad one yes. you, do people like actually come up to the desk to say stuff to you I mean yeah there, absolutely you know maybe yeah. you, need, you need a cattle prod so you yeah. don't even move much you just <laughs> how about bear spray I had security <laughs> pull people out before I said you get security get this people out of here i'm sorry i have to concentrate it's twelve thousand people in here i'm trying to do my job i don't need some idiot you know who care you know has a different opinion you know wow so that's the hot seat it's hard that's the hot seat for, uh, for them <laughs> i'm just sorry any anybody who's surrounded by more people than there are security i always feel sorry for them one time i was on tour um in England, and we were playing over in Manchester. And I've told this story before, I think, on the podcast. But if you know anything about Manchester, it's kind of a rough city. You know, it's it's just known to be kind of a rough, you know, hooliganism. We're doing an R and B concert, and the warm up act sitting there, and uh, they were kind of idiots, anyhow. But so they're doing their thing, and the spotlight is on them, and all of a sudden, the spotlight starts moving around all over the place, just all over the place. And people are going, "What's what's going on?" And it's, it's moving and then it stops and then it starts really going all over the place and uh, and and the the people that were on stage the act that was on stage um, they were they were getting pissed and they're like what's going on what's going on and what happened was was there was some people that got in a fight with the spotlight operator. 
Unbelievable. Beat the guy up. Oh my god. Took control of the spotlight. That's funny. And we're shining it all over the place. Like now I'm in charge. Exactly. So they literally had to mount an assault with more security guys to go take back the spotlight. That's funny. So man, that's you know, because it's it's one of those. It's a theater situation where you have the uh, the balcony and then you have the you know the regular and uh, the spotlight guys were just out there right in the middle of everything and it was it was pretty funny I mean, and it was how messed up in the head do you have to be to pick up a fight with no, the, no, the, no 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 uh, no drunk drunk, drunk. oh drunk. I Sweden see, I see. Go, uh, Stockholm right before Christmas we go with my the Persian artist I talked yeah, about yeah. and there's the last not last time two times ago we played there about three years in a row uh, maybe the twenty second of December. There were about five ladies in the back just punching it out over seats. And I go, great, this is giving me time to get my mix together. (laughs) I'm serious. They had like uh, 20 security Uh, guards pulling them out. And these ladies (laughs) dressed up really nice with stoles on and stuff. And they're just beating the crap out of each other. Uh, no, no, they're just uh, just Inch- they wanted their <laughs> seat. Okay, okay. <laughs> I said, "Can you give me about? I just need about three minutes. Keep it going. Right, I right, got right. my mix together really well." <laughs> it's it's amazing how people can lose it so fast over uh-huh. the dumbest little things. Except there's one exception, and uh, and I know Rob, you can second this. Is Japan like I've never seen such well behaved. Audiences than Japan. Yeah. When we were Stevie Wonder, and at the end of the show, they would release a section at a time to exit. Mm-hmm. It was just the most incredible thing. Too. Yeah, what? it's it's the it's by far the the greatest yeah. place on earth to perform. The only time that's not true is if you're doing a live album because they're too polite to clap. <laughs> oh. So they're very sedate, and it, at the end of each song, there's like golf applause. <laughs> yes. Except for the occasional mega hit that they go crazy for, but yeah, it's uh, you certainly don't have to worry about the unruly audience. I mean, it's it's like it's choreographed. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. I mean, I've I've been on stage and uh, where there's been a shooting in the audience while the act was performing. You know, I, I mean, stabbings. It's, just, it's crazy. It's it's yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's you know, getting stabbed. Stormtroopers, all the riot police coming in, and you're like, you have to leave it. And you, the only thing I'm thinking is, please let my racks be okay. Please let my racks be okay. <laughs> um, anyhow, well, that's great, man. It's yeah. Yeah, I mean, it happens. You're, I, you're I don't there. react to well. I just go away from me. <laughs> Note to self: If I ever watch Dennis Mix, I will not say a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, ask, I'll ask your opinion. Does this person have a valid point? <laughs> Bobby walked up to the top and he goes, "Yeah, it's light." Said, okay, I'll buy it. It's so no light pro, right? Right. Dennis, three K is kind of killing me. Can you? Uh... <laughs> yeah, here, put this pencil. In your, put this pencil in your ear. But, but I have to say, as I was walking up, because I was standing next to Dennis so everybody could identify that I knew somebody in the crew yeah. and, and was at the soundboard. So as I'm walking up through the audience, I had people that were stopping me saying, do you think you think you can have more vocal or you know less vocal or I can't hear whatever? And it was like. Uh, why are you asking me? Yeah, you know? That's my favorite. That's my favorite one. Where you have one person go, oh, the vocal's too loud. And then two seconds later, someone does, the vocal's too quiet. And I go, can you go talk to this? You guys go discuss it and let me know what you come up with. Seriously, it happens a lot. Come to some consensus and yeah. then let me know. Anyway. 
That's pretty funny. Well, hey, let's let's move on. I want to talk about a couple things. Number one is I got to talk about a couple plugins that uh, that I was using, started to use. And the first one we're going to talk about was uh, I'm sure Scott, you probably use this, but is Morph too? Do you use Morph? Oh yeah, yes. Morph, what a great great plugin. Well, it's nice that they put it for. It's that's nice around there. It's uh, nice that they gave it to Artas now. It, for the longest time, it was AU. Uh, the Morph One plugin and Synaptic. What uh, does it do? What it does is it's it's sort of a convolution where it takes two sounds, combines them. It's so it's not quite a vocoder, but a kind of. It's more uh, vocoder than convolution, actually. Yeah, I mean it's it, it it does something which nothing else does. So you take two sounds and you can. It feels like you're crossfading them one against the other, but you're not. And it combines it in some really kind of cool ways, and. Um, um, yeah, it's it's a great tool to come up with some weird shit. It's and it's really cool in the fact that you can capture the flavor of one sound and put it on the flavor on the other sound. Yeah. That's I mean, that's really a the one. hard part about Morph though is it's it's and anything out there because I haven't seen one that sounds organic. It always yeah. has artifacts, but boy, when you want that weird stuff, it it does a great job. It does. It, it can get artifacty really yeah. quick. Yeah, I'm with you. The one that sounds fantastic. The best morphing I've heard is with the Kima system. You know what? I've tried the Kima dozens of times, and I can't get it to do what I want. Well, you know, go to Kima. I mean, they're having a uh, they're having their big uh, annual rally over in Bozeman, Montana, from August 9th to 12th. So yeah, and when I was when I was in Pac- spend four days there learning. How yeah, to use you small know, talk. when I was using uh, when I was doing Pacific Rim, I started finding all these Kima people. First, because I was going to buy one, and then I said, okay, I want to put it out there. Who's got one? And everything from Richard Devine to the French guy, and everybody said, all right, here's what I need you to do. And everybody came out and it was very metallic, very, mm-hmm. you know, synthetic. And I'm like, yeah, no. So, because I was trying to do it for some of the creatures and just a whole bunch of different. I even gave them the elements. I said, here, take this and make this, turn it into that. And everything I got back was just weird. Hmm. Cool, but, but not, not what you were looking for. No, not what I was looking for. But it's still the, uh, the golden chalice that we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely. Getting that organic sound is 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 a challenge, you know. There's a, even like even pitch shifting. Some, you know, when you pitch shift in some programs and other ones, some of them are way more artifacting than other ones. I mean, way more. You know, um, I like pitch and time, but even pitch and time can can get out of hand. But you know what's what's great is Elastic Audio uh, using XForm. Wonderful. I mean, it's it's because then you can start doing. Uh, when I used to use the waveframe, I can do pitch and time. Sorry, pitch in time, but it's not the plugin. <laughs> but you can just do them differently. And you just go in, and I have my I have 100 tracks that are just all elastic audio. Huh. And then I'm just sitting there, because a lot of times when I'm designing, I want to know the relationship against one element against the other. Right. And if I pitch this up and pitch that down, then do an EQ on that, right. now all of a sudden, I like the way it's blending. Yeah. So that's why I, it's not just one. I can't use pitch in time. Because you have to audio suite it. And then you're like, maybe, maybe not. And then right. pitch it up, pitch it down, pitch it up, pitch it down. Yeah. Now it's just artifacty just because you keep messing with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, I, I only do one. So I'll do one, come back. Or if I need to go more semitones, then I'll go back to the original and go more semitones yeah. and more, more semitones. Cause it gets, it can get ugly really quick. But, you know, that's the holy grail of, uh, of sound design. Although, Diego, you do some really great, really great pitch shifting in, in, in your stuff. I mean, what, what's one of your favorite plugins for pitch shifting? 
Well, there's. Um, you don't have to tell me all. We'll let you have some secrets. <laughs> no, I tried. I think uh, the the most popular. You know, I tried the the Serato. I tried the the Waves. Uh, I tried one called Elastic. Yeah, Elastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like. There's uh, one for Ableton Live right. called Pitch Wheel from a company called Quick Quack. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty funny name, but man, it works really well. I've heard of that. I, I've heard of that. I have a friend of mine yeah. who, who uses that one, yeah. said that it's like the best one out there. I haven't tried it. I use it but. in real time uh, when I do stuff where I'm you know, controlling the pitch with, um, with a fader or something or from a keyboard. Yeah. And it has very little latency. Um, it sounds good. You can you can um, shift the formants separately from the pitch. Yeah, and it's basically like a melodyne-ish, you know, in a way, yeah. but much simpler huh. and in real time. You so, know, he yeah. used he, it's a music guy and he uses it for stop downs because he says it's just gives yeah. you the the and, and it's got iner- stop down. inertia and gravity. So when you, you can control the amount of bouncing that the pitch. Does when it goes to a certain pitch up and down. It's an interesting plugin. You mean there's parameters called inertia and gravity? And gravity wow. yes. I love it. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a good way to think about it. Yeah, too. That, that company Quick Quack. They also do another one that uh, I don't remember what it is, but it's an interesting Quick Quack. <laughs> you know, an- another one for dialogue and creatures and stuff is Earcam's tracks. Mm-hmm. And that's got like sex change, and so you could take. <laughs> it's, it's actually very convincing. You yeah. could take. You can make somebody an old gravelly male or female, which, yeah. and it's it dials it in really well. Yeah, JRM does uh, cool stuff. They also have another one called uh, Freq Shift, if I remember correctly. Oh, frequency shift, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's there's multiple ones, uh, but one sounds really bad and one sounds good. But it's more for extreme. Uh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. It's more for um, not pitch shifting. It's more like um, uh, frequency shifting. And, and then there's the PCM80 and the H8000, by the way, which isn't a plug-in, but boy, they still sound really good. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. True. Quality is quality. I've found, I've been doing a couple of things. I, in my opinion, the best pitch shifting that I've worked with is the Kima system. But Logic also has really, really good sounding, very artifact-free pitch shifting that I've hmm. used quite a bit. Um, You're just pissing off Scott. I and know. Now, I know. Rob. This. Rob. What can I, I'm just talking about the sound quality. <laughs> the other thing that and are you pitching it down like half step, or can you pitch it down an octave? Oh, I've pitched. I've pitched stuff down pretty significantly. Oh, okay, okay. And it sounds good. Yeah, the, the other. The other. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say, Brandon? No, I was going to say I was doing some Star Wars telemetry sounds yesterday, and I started experimenting with the air frequency shifter inside oh, yeah, of Pro yeah. Tools, which is free. If you automate the frequency parameter and, you know, and just get some, I was using some radio sounds and I was just manipulating them. I mean, it's not for a natural sound, but for sci-fi stuff, yeah. I was just going in there and drawing different, you know, things to automate the frequency uh, parameter itself. It sounded great. Yeah, it sounded like Star Wars. It was awesome. The one, the frequen- frequency shift from GRM, it's called Freak Shift, mm-hmm. does that, but better. Yeah, the GRM stuff is yeah. great. It's the same as uh, the, the frequency shifting uh, concept. Hold on one second. Delbert, does it, Dennis, you know what? We can keep the door open. I'll get rid of it in post because I can, I can, the, the buzz. Because it's going to, we're going to, we're just going to heat up like a furnace in here. So there's a little buzz. Really, by the time we're at 22K, <laughs> you know, that's going to sound like nothing. The, the, the thing when you do pitch shifting, 
it's not just pitch shifting because when you're transposing up and down, you're messing with the Q curve yeah. and you're messing with the formats and Absolutely. everything. So yeah. Yeah. it's complicated if you want to achieve an organic sound yeah. 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 because you have to fix a lot of things that uh, it's not just that they are introduced by the plugin. They just don't make sense from a listening perspective. Yep. Brandon, you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, I was going to say the Ableton uh, live algorithms are getting better. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, and there's, yeah. They're not bad. For a certain type of things, they're good. Uh, also, the uh, you were talking about the EarCam um, algorithms. Yeah. Uh, Motu's got Mach 5 sampler, has the EarCam algorithms in it. Oh, wow. Um, and you can do some interesting things with that. You can do this like granular dense and slow thing where you can take one grain of a song and turn it into you know a drone of its own right. which is good and then mix that down turn it into a rise or something so yeah that's pretty cool are you using double uh, a digital performer no ableton but, okay. uh, did you yeah. download the new version are you using the new update already? the new ableton yeah uh no i want to try those i ones. need to do that too yeah. because i think they improved the algorithm yeah that's what they, yeah, they it was release. written on the thing yeah, right. I've I've certainly found, in my experience, the problem with divorcing pitch shifting from time is that you always seem to pay a price on the attacks and on the transients of things. So whenever I can actually just verispeed, I will because it sounds so much better because you haven't taken those two, you haven't taken the two domains and taken them apart. I think it's you know there's something which which you would know, but uh, um, there's something in the game world called Wise, and was it Seeds? Yeah. And what they do is, and, and EarCam does this as well, they actually ex- extrapolate the noise from the tone. And then you only pitch the tone and not the noise. Hmm. So what happens is anything that's got that, that <laughs> or attack right. never changes in pitch because it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. That's fantastic. That? Yeah, and then great. the game engine does it in real time oh. as you play the game. Wow. So as they can do it, you can randomize the pitch. So you design it. Unpitched and program. You just put the sound it. in there; it automatically uh, extracts the noise from but the is pitch. Is there a plugin that allows you to do that? No, you know, I kept going to Wise. Why don't you come up with a plugin? You'll make That's a lot an of money. Interesting concept. Um, yeah. But EarCam tracks does that. If you look at the faders. Ah. It has noise, yeah, it has yeah, yeah. tone, and you can actually because that's how it's said in breath. Yeah, you know the plugin awesome. called Evolution, the one no. that well, it has the same concept. Basically, Evolution is granular. And you can separate the grains, uh, well, the noise from the tone. So, oh, you, cool. yeah, and I think it's based on the same engine. It's just that it generates these uh, very nice uh, soundscapes, yeah, which can, which can be grainy or very pure. Because that would be great for drums, because all of a sudden you want to be able to have that attack, right? Yeah. The stick but noise it down. that doesn't pitch. Yeah. The only thing pitches is the resonation. Yeah. Well, or any bow hmm. sound as well. The, I, the, the I, noise of the bow. I tell you what, there's a lot of a lot of options that we have here. I mean, I, I, yeah. I was thinking morph, and all of a sudden we're doing. I mean, I'm going to have to listen to this myself just to get all these. I want to throw one plugin that that's just brand new that threw it at since we're talking about plugins, and that's Isotope's Final Mix, and uh, they just came out with it, yep. and it is a threshold based EQ, which is different than a multi band compressor. Is that what it is? Yes, and it's actually two things. It's a but. It's meant to be on the bus. So it is a limiter, right? It, it, and it, it sounds a lot like the Fab Filter limiter. So it's got that kind of vibe. Right. Very, very easy to use. You just say, here's the ceiling. There it goes. Very, there's not a lot to it. But I like the idea of having a threshold-based EQ. I, uh, I don't understand. What's the difference between the threshold-based EQ? Uh, it, it's the way you can control the, a multi-band uh, compressor. 
Is it an expander rather than a compressor? You can actually do either or. Well, so you could do a normal EQ. So you have, let's say, an EQ chain. Because a lot of times what happens is, let's say I'm doing sound effects that has really bad 3K transients. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily want to use a, a compressor situation. So what I can do with that is say, okay, notch it down in a very tight notch for some reason. And then I can just take a little bit of it out. Just take a little bit of that ex- extra edge. Okay, so you're saying that basically you have more control than you would with the multiband compressor. Right, it sounds so like a side it, chain compressor. But what it is is like a DS. Yes, but wait, no. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, well, no, yeah. but it's an EQ. You have the choice per band to say whether you would like to make it dynamic or not. So you have a static EQ that you normally use. Okay. And then say this range, I want to put a threshold either to oh. bring it down or expand it up. That's brilliant. And so now all of a sudden, if I want to give a little six turns pop on some stuff, but only at certain volumes, I can do that. You know, if, you, if you want to make your dialogue pop, that's a, that's a great But way how many times as mixers, we have the other problem, is that everything is popping too much. Oh, yeah. No, it and, definitely and goes the other direction, too. I'm doing this but. giant battle sequence right now, and there's so much stuff between debris and explosions and yeah. people screaming that, you know, I'm getting these massive buildups, and you're trying to carve it, but sometimes you put it on the, uh, on the bus... Just I don't want to I don't want to take away the energy of the mix. No, I just want to curtail that. You know, and yeah, it's an interesting that, that's I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. It's very cool. Hey, another plugin I want to talk about, and then uh, this will probably be the uh, you know then we'll take a break right after this. But um, is uh, I finally got a copy and been using uh, Omnisphere two. Ah, oh, nice, brilliant, brilliant. Is it out in the marketplace yet, Diego? Hmm? Oh yeah. It's out in the marketplace? Yeah. yeah. It's been out for a while. Because you were the one that said it wasn't working. You were the one that... No, no. Omnisphere was, was killing the... Because I wasn't the, buying it because right. you were saying, oh my God, no, no, no. it's not working. Oh, no. It was, it was horrible. It was, it was not... And it wasn't the plug-in. It was... Cross it was the... It was the uh, and why nobody's giving me a call about that? Okay? <laughs> Give me a call. Ask me about it. <laughs> um, I did... No, well, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I, I, so I now it's working in Pro Tools. Well, here's Pro Tools is working, and so then I installed I installed the plugins, and uh, and it's it's Omnisphere two. Actually, Omnisphere two worked. It's on my laptop too. It works great on my laptop That's too. That's where I'm using it. It's you know? it's a great plugin. Really quick, just want to tell you a couple features. You can bring your own sounds in. Um, awesome. You know, you can tweak the bejeebies out of it. Second thing is is the database functions of of the plugin itself. I mean the browser. Yeah, of yeah. the browser is phenomenal. You like a sound and you want more sounds like this, you just say, give me some more options of sounds like this. And it comes with a boatload of sounds. You did some really brilliant sounds too, brother. Oh, I mean, thanks. there's yeah. some really – Diego sounds are all over this thing. You, you know? just yeah. You took a sound, you bring it in like a sampler. When you play it down the keyboard, how does it pitch? What? Oh yeah. No, no, no. In other words, he said you take you take your sound, you bring it in like a yeah, sampler. Yeah. Now I want to drop it in. But it's not a sampler in that sense because you see when you say sampler, you you immediately think about mapping. No, no, no. I just want to take a sound that I put it in. Yeah. I want to drop it. I want to very speed it down an octave. Yeah. Does it alias? No. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why it took so long to. Tweak the engine to sound good. The steam engine, which is behind. Hey, Rob, it's something to uh, other than the waveframe. You know, it's something to replace it. <laughs> Listen, you you can try with 
uh, samples and, and here by yourself, but you know the 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 quality of the steam engine is really really good. It really is. So is it interpolating the uh, the pitch on it so it doesn't get artifacty? I don't hear anything weird it, going on. And trust me, I tried the weirdest thing yeah. ever because when we develop the sounds for it, we go for things that are insane. Right. And if they sound weird. Sometimes you go look at the sample, you realize that the sample itself wasn't really meant to be playable. It was more as a, this is a, a, something that I used to do many, many years ago when I was doing sounds for Atmosphere, which then transitioned into Omnisphere right. 1. Right. I used to make these ambiences that were more uh, mini compositions thing. So when you play them, it's disappointing because it's not meant to be playable. And in that sense, the sample probably doesn't translate well because you didn't even think about it as a sample. You left stuff in the eye end. So when you transpose it, that stuff comes down. Right. You know, so as far as I can tell, the engine sounds great. It will not cancel the mistakes that you do in the audio file. But if the audio file is prepared nicely and appropriately as a sample, it will sound really good. It, it sounds really quick. It, I, I actually... I haven't done anything as simple as as playing it back because there's so many great parameters and so right. many great things, but the filters and the LFO. Yeah, I mean, and just it, it, I mean, it's just it's such a deep program. That's the other thing is it's a deep program. Yeah. It, you can play the presets; it sounds awesome. If you get past the presets, it's it's just well, fun. At you this can point, do. there's twelve thousand patches, and the browser allows you to do two things. One is the sound match, which is basically oh, I like this sound. Find me more like that. And the other one is sound lock. So you can lock only certain aspects of the sound that you like. And when you change patch, it keeps those aspects in place mm. and it changes everything else. So, for example, you like the arpeggiator or you like the envelopes, you lock those things and everything else changes. Brilliant. It, it is. It, it's, it's brilliant. It's such a. So it's not only browsing at that point, it's creative browsing. Yeah. Because wow. you're creating a new patch just by clicking on, on a new it, patch. It's, the more you go into it, the deeper it is. But it's yeah. just, and it sounds good. It's a good sounding. I mean, some yeah. of the bass sounds in there are just, are just, no, just I mean, have some uh, real uh, good uh, it takes, bottom end. It takes years and it takes a full team. I mean, Eric, Ignacio, Scott, me, Tolga. Uh, and and many other people involved. It's a, it's a huge undertaking, you know. It's yeah. it's a huge project. And uh, I just gotta give you an attaboy because you guys did a great job. Thanks. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, the more I use it, the more I find out about it. No, it's I mean, just, it's it's because uh, the thing is, when when you're working on the sounds, you don't really focus. I mean, I don't really focus much actually, <laughs> because I have a tendency of compartmentalize things so I'm doing samples and I'm just doing samples right. I barely play them but then when the instrument is ready and you use it as the way a final user uh, uses it it's really incredible uh, because you go wow uh, it, it really translates well I can really do things uh, that you know you wouldn't even think of doing with with, with Pro Tools uh, and the fact is you can play it because it's an instrument Yeah. so so, Mike, do you have it in Pro Tools, or do you use it on a separate machine feeding into Pro Tools? I use it on, well, I do most of my writing on live, so I use it in live the most. I have used it in Pro Tools, but it's all, it's all very musical for me, so I'm, I'm still, yeah. I'm still in live. I use it both in live and Pro Tools. Yeah, it works great either yeah. way. Um, uh, I'm doing a remix right now that I'm using it uh, for some bass. And let me tell you, the there there are have you ever had a synth and, and you want – some movement, you want some arpeggiation, and you start playing some of the synth patches, and it sounds like, you know, 
jazz from 1990. You know what I mean? They have it's all it's either too frufui or it has that you know. I mean, it's like it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't. It sounds like a demo that you hear at night. Exactly. Yeah. And and the thing about the Omnisphere is, is it has some really good complex little rhythmic stuff that's. That's very musical. That even if you just want to use it for like a little note because it's kind of full, but on the same hand, it also doesn't get in its way. Not every patch is you know super complex. But this is the, really has this a lot is the of beauty movement. of working with a team of sound designers because each one brings a different flavor. You know, yeah. I always th- tend to go toward the cinematic stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, because that's what so we do. You know, that's what yeah. we like. But uh, now there's a huge amount of EDM oh, sounds. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the analog section is insane because it was already very complete in Omnisphere 1, but now there's more. So Diego, are the Omnisphere 1 patches in Omnisphere yep. 2? Yep. So I don't, I can, 100% I can compatible. jettison my Omnisphere yep. 1 at that point and just have the single instrument yep. yeah. and be yeah. able to... It, it, when you install Omnisphere 2... It doesn't say Omnisphere 2. It, it just opens up. There's a bigger interface because there's a bigger browser, uh, but it replaces Omnisphere 1, and everything is uh, compatible. And it looks, f- it looks very familiar. It's like a... It's yeah, like a, it's, it's like just a uh, much more... Because things like the browser, it's an utility, but in fact, the, the work that goes behind that, it's insane. Sure. Because the tagging... <laughs> It's key. You can type in the, the categories. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Bobby, were you going to... All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to we're going to wrap this up because uh, we got to get into the second half. So we're going to take a break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk about making money in every aspect that pretty much everybody is involved in. So uh, stand by. <laughs> All right. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were talking all things plugins and... uh, there was a big fight during the break about which was the better pitch shifting plug-in, and we had to pull Diego and Scott apart. But oh, really? We're all friends now, right? <laughs> I still believe it's Studer, half inch, uh, Scotch two fifty, you know, and just very speed that puppy down. Uh, it's all good. Hey, I got listen. a nice piece of steak for Diego's black eye there. Don't worry, it'll be fine in a couple of days. A record no player is the best pitch shifting. I'm telling you. <laughs> Um, so anyhow, hey, listen, guys, I wanted to talk about something, and uh, a few things happened, and then, uh, and you'll see, but it all comes down to making money, right? We're all trying to, to make it in, in this business, in audio, and it's not getting any easier making money. It's, it's not, and, and there's you certain aspects. You guys those printers now that takes fabric and <laughs> <laughs> prints money. Um, but... I, you know, I just, I mean, we're just going to be blunt. We're, we're going to talk about making money in this one. And, and, um, but before we, we get there, I got to visit something. And, and Bobby, uh, when we last left the streaming conversation, right? And you were, you were making it really hopeful that we're things entering. are going to be l- looking up and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, um, I was doing some thinking and Martin released his album June 29th. June 29th? Yeah, June 29th. 
the, the day before iTunes Music um, rolled out, which I think was the 30th. Um, if he would sell, let's just say, I'm just going to make some numbers and I don't know what his sales are, but let's just say he has a, he has a pretty good fan base, you know, and can sell a couple thousand, but let's, let's just dumb it down to like a thousand albums. So let's say he sold a thousand albums and it was 10 bucks an album. That's $10,000 there, right? Um, iTunes releases the next day, right? Totally, you no longer have to buy the album because you can stream it on iTunes. Um, he gets now would be getting paid on a per stream basis of roughly fifteen hundred streams equal one album. That's the way they. That's the way they they figure it. Right. So if you fifteen hundred downloads. I'm sorry. F- fifteen hundred down. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. Streams. Streams equals. What do you mean? One album. Uh, they call a track equivalent album. So 1,500 streams yeah. would equal 10 bucks? I mean, money. No, was. no, it's wholesale. It's wholesale, 750. So 1,500 streams would be 750. No, that doesn't work. Wait a second. What am I thinking of? Well, 1,500. I, roughly, I was, I was doing the math, and um, it's a, you get a dollar for every like 1,000 streams. Track equivalent album uh, is uh, uh, 1,500. Uh, Okay. Well, yeah, you know what? Now, now, just listen. Remember. Tell me where I'm wrong, but okay. just listen to me. So I, I'm rounding the numbers up. So let's say for every because uh, it's like you get a penny for every ten plays, right? So for a buck, you need a thousand. You need a thousand plays for a buck. Okay, it doesn't now, work that way. How's it work? Well, because my point is, is how many streams and how many, how much. Time is it going to take for him to e- to get that same you know ten thousand dollars that he could just release it and play? Don't, don't know because don't forget all streams are not equal and that's what where everybody goes wrong on it. There are four types of streams, but there's actually more when you think about it. The four types are the paid stream for the um, non-interactive tier, non-interactive stream, non-interactive service, meaning like Pandora. It's like a you can't on Pandora say, I choose this song, this song, this song. It plays like a radio. So it pays one price for the paid stream subscription. It pays another one for the free. For Spotify and interactive services, it pays also two different levels. Right. For the paid subscription, for the free tier. But, but would you... Now, now wait, no wait. It, get, it gets crazier still because it's different... In each country, plus Spotify actually weighs the number of plays. The more the market share, the greater the market share you have, the greater you get paid. So when you see what so it's a stream, like ASCAP BMI combined with radio combined yeah, with yeah. So what ends up happening is when you see a stream is worth you know 0.006 cents on on Spotify what that means is that's basically a good average right but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to get paid and that's where everybody gets gets thrown off because they look and they say well look I'm looking at my royalty and I'm not I'm not getting paid that well yeah that might be your royalty but somebody else may be getting paid or more but here's my point is is for the small guy for the little niche market right mm-hmm. where you're only going to sell let's you know 1500 albums let's just say it's going to take a listener. They're going to have to play it 
thousands and thousands of times for you to equate what you could have just done had you not been streaming, just sell it to them directly. Yeah, but you can still sell it to them directly. Who says you can't? Well, if you if you go on, if you can't if you're on some streaming service, because why are they going to pay for it when they can just buy it? I just think I just think it's it it makes sense for certain people, but I don't I don't see it making monetary sense, especially if you're trying to go out there and break into the market. Okay. And, and you want to sell like fifteen hundred albums. Look it, at it, look at it another way. When someone buys an album, they buy it once. Right. They can listen to it ten times, they can listen to it a thousand times, but they only pay for it once. On the other hand, if they're listening to something on a stream, they're paying for it essentially every time they listen. So ten years from now, they're still paying for it but whenever just, they listen. But just pennies on the dollar. And, and well, what less could, than that, actually. Well, but, well yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, okay, but, no, but, but what good is my, – my, here's the thing about making money. What good is you, – basically, you're selling your soul – that you think somewhere down the line you're going to get this money. Why not just get the money here? You support an artist. Maybe he he you get a ten thousand dollars because you sell a thousand albums. You know what? That that's money right now, and then you can use that money to produce more music. Well, yeah, but who says that you shouldn't still have payable music, payable downloads, pay, make CDs? People that are going to buy it are still going to buy it. And for you to say, or for an artist to say, well, I'm only going to do it one way. That kind of you know defeats the whole purpose. You should make all formats because someone is going to want some of those formats. But let, let me give you another example here. Radio. How many times over the last hundred years have people listened on the radio, and how many times do you get paid? How much do you get paid? How much does the artist get paid every time it plays on the radio? The Righteous Brothers have had the biggest number of radio plays You've lost that loving feeling that's been played more than any other song by far. 11 million plays, apparently. How much have they gotten paid? Zero. Nothing. Only the songwriter gets paid. The artist doesn't get paid anything. So, in Martin's case, for instance, it's different. If he's an artist and he's getting played on a big hit, he's not getting paid anything on the radio. As a songwriter, he's getting paid, and he's gotten paid a lot for "You Built the City" and and you know yeah. his big hits, but he doesn't get paid. And even so, in the radio, you still can't say how much am I going to get paid. No, that is true, but still, when you're releasing an album, you're you're not you, this the trickle effect. I'm not saying that eventually, after 20 years, you may get that money back. I'm just saying if you're trying to be a songwriter and you're trying to like a small little death metal band that wants to to sell 1500 albums to who says they can't uh, do that how who says they can't they sell it at their concert yeah who they says sell. they can't but but not ev- not everybody's going to tour there's not going to be a lot of people touring i read a really good article um and i wish i, f- I remembered the the name of the guy it was basically saying that the it doesn't make economic sense trading your your soul for the future and instead of getting paid now something to that level and i'm not if someone will pay for you now okay you have Here's the, the, the two choices you have in the, that scenario. One is either you make a CD and nobody hears it because no one buys it, or you go and you stream and a lot of people get exposed to it and maybe some will come back and they'll buy it. Which would you rather? I want my cash up front. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I, that I understand, but the whole thing about being a, a, a niche market is is you, you kind of know what your audience is going to be. Were you going to say something, Brendan? I was going to say walk out on Hollywood Boulevard, 
several guys will walk up to you and say, you like hip-hop? You like hip-hop? And put a CD in your hand. And they'll keep talking to you and sell you, sell you, because they know how to sell. And then you'll end up paying ten dollars for a CD. There you go. If you were a tourist, those guys I've talked to a couple of those guys, they're bringing in three hundred dollars a day. Not bad. Yeah. Are they the artists or are they just selling CDs? Yeah. They are probably the guy who created it. Yeah. yeah. It's their personal CD. Like their pitch is like you know underground street hip hop from LA. You know, take it back people, to your friends. People are it. The coolest thing. We used to go there all Jay-Z. the time, and yeah. they go, "It's free." And then they hand just as they're handing it to you, says, "But would you like to donate?" How much? How about oh, 10 yeah, bucks? Yeah, you're right. A lot of them And say, so you kind of go, oh, okay. What are we doing? But that's fair, they, they, yeah. that's fair enough. That's fair enough. like, yeah. help me go to music, music school or that's whatever. That's fair. And they yeah. usually, get, usually get paid. Yeah. yeah. Dennis, were you going to say something? Yeah, it's uh, jazz fusion, I would consider a niche market. Right. You know, it's not the, the big, biggest fusion. seller. <laughs> that's what I do. That's yeah. all my clients. Mike Stern, Dave Weckl, Steve oh, Gale, yeah, yeah, all yeah. guys. We sell a Weckl on the last tour we did in... May in Europe, we, he sold a thousand CDs. He sold out the new acoustic band every gig, and uh, he used to be slow to come out. He's out there, and um, uh, you know, two minutes after the curtain comes down, he's out front. Stern, the band's still on stage, walking. He's he's already out there selling. And uh, do you know who Richard Bona is, the bass player? Sure. He's, he's probably the best. I saw him sell 400, 400, 400 CDs at one gig once, 400. So if you times 20 euros, 15, 20 euros, yes. well, you know what? That that's is, how you do it. But you know, as you go back, it's, you know, one of the things I think that's different, and I just saw two cellos mm-hmm. over at College of the Canyons. And they, what I think the big difference is, it used to be that when you were a rock star, you were in an arena, you went in, people look at you and basically tell you to go, fuck you. you know, excuse me. But, you know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of mentality, I'm a rock star. One thing country's always done is said, hey, everybody, thank you for liking me. Let me shake your hand. You're my fan. I want to take care of you. It's a little more that, that vibe. And what I'm starting to see a lot of, you know, a lot of the bands doing is after the concert, they come out and meet and greet. I think There's a line everywhere and everybody wants to buy anything. Sign it, buy it, and all of a sudden, there's got to be some money there. It's a collect- it's collectible. Absolutely. Collectible, yeah. They have to. I think they have to these days. I think that's because of the mess with streaming and the you know inconsistency of getting paid properly. So like, like, these, like these guys, two I cellos, totally unique concept. They're playing rock cellos. Right. It's amazing guys. Amazing show. I think everybody in the theater bought sure. something. And my wife was you know, good-looking guys. My wife's all giddly, and you know, my son's like, I, 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 I want to sign. I wouldn't sign anything, you know. And, and you're buying stuff, and it's it is. It's I think it's a great. You said about how do you make money? That's, Actually, care about your client. That's right. And understand who your client is, whether we're post, whether we're music. It's not about me, me, me. It's about me providing a service to you and me taking care of you. And you need to identify who the you is. Mm-hmm. And and work that way. Hey Rob, when the miss are the misses playing live? Uh, the misses have been playing live, but not in a traditional touring sense because you know it's five married women and a bunch of them have kids, um, so they can't actually go out on a long tour. So they've been doing strategic shows to be able to connect with the audience. They've done a lot of charity related shows. Um, they've done a few just commercial performances, but. Uh, part of their story, it's a good thing it's part of their story, part of their story is that they're five married women with busy lives and families and everything else. So 
just based on their story that they're becoming famous for, they can't do a traditional tour. They can't just pile into a bus and disappear for a few months. Their families would crumble. Okay, but the point is, when they do play live, and I know that there's a big... uh, They were really heavy into merch even before they started to play. So what happens then when they play live? They sell a lot of merch. They sell a lot of of merch, uh, you know, just online. Yeah, they have a lot of nice merch, all of which is available online. A lot of it also ties in with, remember, their first song that was out was not even promoted on the radio, but it was the song Enough that was promoted with that mirror video that went viral. Um, And so they have a lot of merch that's related to that, and they've driven a lot of traffic to the website based on this non-traditional video they did. If you don't know what we're talking about, you can go to themrs.com and and see uh, the Mrs. Magic Mirror, I think it's called, the video. Um, And it's got over 5 million views because it it honestly went viral because it's such a unique way to introduce a band, and it's a very strong concept for women. So that video drove a bunch of people to the website, and that drives merch at every performance and we've played in some strange places. We played in the Mall of America, which was really cool, in the big rotunda there. Um, they've played in different places throughout Texas. They've played in L.A. and New York a bit. Um, we always have the merch table. And, uh, you know, the more your audience feels invested in the relationship with you, the more of a chance they're going to buy merch from you. So step one has to be you build a relationship with your fan and the money follows as far as merch. You can't, you can't be just, we're the band that has merch. Okay, does that include CDs? Does the merch include CDs? I would if we had one to sell. <laughs> okay. We have, uh, we're going to have our EP coming out this fall, and that'll be our first CD to sell. So uh, like, we've go ahead. pushed a lot of iTunes you know, sales, that kind of thing, but we haven't actually had a physical product to sell. You know, so what I'm getting, Bobby, and, and believe me, I can be talked off a ledge. Mm-hmm. I, I learned. Um, like Scott was saying, it's about the relationship, and and as an artist, you have to put the time in on things of establishing that relationship with your audience. Has right? it ever been any different? No, it hasn't. But you never had that free thing butted right up against the the, the sale thing. Sure, you did radio. Yeah. It's not the same. Sure, it is. No, because radio was on radio's terms. Streaming is on yours terms. And that's a huge difference. You know, that's a huge difference. Because radio back in the old days when you had your cassette and you're like, okay, I hope it comes. Okay, here it comes. And you record and you get a little bit of DJ and then you record the, the song and the <laughs> DJ at the end, you know. Where nowadays you can just say, here's my playlist. I want that, well, that, 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 that. Well, but on some services, don't forget in other services like Pandora, like, like on, on uh, Apple Radio, it's, it's radio-like. It's the same thing. Interesting. So is there an analysis of where people listen to music most? I'm curious because... I just re- read something today. As a matter of fact... Is it the car? Music discovery is still the greatest on radio. Still. Right, but in other words, you know, because as an adult and as a kid, I've always figured out, when do I listen to music? And, and it's an interesting thing because, you know, when I'm working, I'm working, but I always have music on when I'm driving. Yeah, captive audience, sure. Absolutely. And that's so, you think about where do you digest your music? Rob, were you going to say something? Yeah, and just playing off what they're talking about, um, you know, I've read that too, that the the number one place for discovery of new music is on the radio. And I'm now on the other side of it because here we're bringing out this new band, The Misses, to a new audience. And it's really, 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 really hard to get radio to play your new song. 
especially if you're a new band. So yes, it's where you want to be for discovery, but they don't make it easy. And satellite radio makes it nearly impossible. I mean, right. we're in the the hot AC, you know, adult contemporary. Right. I don't know if other genres are different, but you know, it's a huge uh, piece of the pie, adult contemporary, and especially like serious. The big serious stations that play hot AC just basically don't want to play anything new because they know their audience likes things they've already become familiar with. So it's still the number one place to get discovered, and it's really hard to get your new material in there. It's a now, real catch the, too. Would the second best place be YouTube? Yes. Because that's where I noticed my son, all the bands he hears, not from radio anymore, it's all in YouTube. You know, it's interesting. I just read a stu- study that said there are fewer one-hit wonders than ever before. And it plays into what you're saying, Rob. The reason why, when they looked at it, they found that once upon a time you had the top 40, and now most stations are the top 20. And they tend to play the hits longer than they did before. In other words, they stay on the top 20 longer than they have before. So there's fewer spots for newer artists. And as a result, there are fewer one-hit wonders than there's ever been before. Do you know one of our listeners, uh, Steve uh, Cherubino? um, Yeah. He uh, was talking about, and I think I mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast, how um, in the Sirius uh, XM radio, they're actually editing songs down to like a minute, minute and a half. Do you know if that is indeed true so they can get more plays because they don't want to lose people? I haven't heard that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know radio has been speeding up everything, you know, 2%, 3% for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I, Andy Jackson, who's the voice of the podcast. Um, I had a really good talk with her because she's a she's a DJ. She has a nationally syndicated show, um, and I was talking about music and and uh, you know their their program manager. I mean, that's they they just can't put on any old song. Every single song is like analyzed and it's 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 really carefully planned because that affects their ratings, which affects their income too. So that's why it's really tough to get um, radio play. On Madison Avenue has more of an effect on radio than ever because that's who's placing the ads and their national ads right. because it's station groups that own all the big stations. So, you know, again, you have consultants that are programming, not the PD. It, it's a completely different uh a completely different landscape than we used to have, and it's much less adventuresome because it can't be so. That's why I've always felt that AM radio is someday going to be the savior of radio. The reason why is everybody kind of downplays AM radio as a place where it's just for talk radio, for instance. But I think if you're ever going to have adventuresome radio, it's going to be there because you're going to have some stations that aren't doing anything that people just say, oh, why not? Well, that's true. And actually with the new HD AM where you're going to get stereo signal on your AM radio, um, it's not new, but it's you know more and more you, you find it, you can actually – play music and it not having to sound like it's you know coming from a tin speaker did you have something rob yeah i just uh, was going to say you know we've been fighting really hard and, and finding success getting the misses onto the charts and onto uh you know into rotation on radio stations around the country and we're about to hit with the second single which we know is strong and then we're going to hit with christmas single through the holidays and we know that's really strong and i'm hoping that we get to experience some of the inertia about it being hard to fall out of rotation the same way it's been so hard to get into rotation. In other words, once we're in the American consciousness with a few singles and we're being accepted, I'm curious to see if we can actually, not coast, but you know, see how long we'll remain in the rotations without having to try as hard or if it's going to be you know, 
again, we fall out and have to try just as hard to get in again. It's a very interesting dynamic because my most of my career up until now has been working with super established artists who had already solved these problems or had major, you know, labels putting millions behind them to solve these problems that I didn't have to worry about. It's a very different thing. Hey, uh, from but, Rob, hold on really quick. Um, on the misses, are you guys are you guys working the phones, like trying to find that one little radio station? Because it seems to be, in, especially in radio, is you, you try to find that one place that, that breaks your song, and then it'll slowly have the trickle effect as it keeps spreading more and more. Actually, Martin was a good example in the House of Stone and Light back in the 90s. He actually worked a station over in Washington, D.C. It broke there, and then it made its way um, out west, essentially. Rob, are you guys doing any of that same type of stuff? On- yeah, I mean, we have multiple people working the radio stations and they are just working nonstop on it. And, uh, it's really hard. It takes a lot of just old fashioned phone calls showing up at their offices. I mean, it's, it's old school. And so, yeah, we have some, some guys have been doing it for a long time, guiding us and, uh, helping with that. And we're also working social media. Every bit is hard to get the audience to request things. Although the radio stations are not as receptive to, social media requests and all that as you would think because they know that can be engineered by clever people right um, they're not as open to it as they are to just real relationships really hearing from uh your promotion people and yeah it's still it's still pretty much the same game i mean the technology's changed a little bit but yeah we're definitely working the phones and trying to get the one-on-one relationships with the with the decision makers hmm. i was gonna say that there's a the band i'm following was it walk off the earth right off between Facebook and YouTube, and they're, they're totally viral. I mean, it's hilarious and amazing. What does that mean, though, when you say totally viral? What does that mean? Because viral to one, one it, it person It seems like they've got a lot of people another. rather than having a thousand, they've got millions. Are, so you referring, you, are you referring to Walk the Moon? No, Walk Off the Earth. That's the oh. ba- it's, it's the it's a four guys and a girl, and they, they started off with doing covers, mm-hmm. really intelligent covers and videos, and next thing you know, everyone, like I saw on Facebook, which led me to YouTube. And next thing I know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is great, and these guys are great, and all of a sudden the likes are high. I mean, it's going to be manipulated, but this is a band that nobody's ever heard of. And they, you know, they start, then they start coming up with their own material rather than doing covers, and they're, they're, they're really good. You have to remember <laughs> that a million of anything in our age today, excuse the expression, but it ain't shit. Once upon a time, when we would think of a million, a million sales, a million units, would, you know, that was significant. In our digital age, a million hardly even gets you in the game. When you begin to talk 10 million, it's something. 50 million is just kind of a fringy hit. But you look at all the big hits and we're talking hundreds of millions. Right, but at that point you think music is only Taylor Swift. I mean, you look at the Grammys and what's represented there is nauseating. Okay. I mean, it's only like... It's I'm really telling you what the numbers are. It's like a half a dozen artists, and everybody else doesn't exist. And you're thinking, like, oh, come on. Diego, are you going to say something? Yeah, the, the thing that Bobby was saying is so true, and it's speeding up so fast. Just to give you an idea, in 2009, when I did Music from a Tree, which is not a record anyway, it's right. just a video, I had the Today Show calling me for... Oh, that was for Music from Dry Cleaner. Okay, so anyway... In uh, 2009, 2010, 300, 400,000 views were considered viral. Right. Now it's 10, 15 millions. I mean, when you see that kind of gap and how fast right. it's, it's going, right. you're thinking, okay, what's next? 
There's a lot of people. And, and then when the, the what was the Ganga? What was the Ganga name? Oh, of, yeah, when he Ganga broke Star. one billion views. It's yeah. over two billion. Now. Yeah, everybody say, okay, so what? <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm curious how that converted but, into cash for him. I don't oh, know. Big time, worldwide, big time. But then that means you go to concerts, you start selling. T-shirts yeah, and albums yeah. and stuff. He was and on words, television all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I think he did the live thing with Madonna as well. Yeah. So let me uh, let, let's move this forward because we're actually ran out of time, and I wanted to get into some of the other aspects of, of audio, but I don't think we're going to be able to. But essentially, um, what we're talking about is is, How to make money. is relationships. I mean, that's the thing. You're you're making your money with the relationships. Not that it's ever been different, but that's actually uh, a really important tool because i'll tell you this um i was doing some looking for some sound designers on a project that i was involved with and and uh <laughs> and uh i'm pointing to the panel here. <laughs> none of us know anything about that I, and i was talking i was talking to some people actually I, I i i did make some phone calls but i was talking to some people and you would be amazed at some of these freelance guys and their lack of people skills, just the lack of like, just people skills, just just wanting to be with them, wanting to be a part of the team, and and it was it was directly going to affect their pocketbook because some of these people I I would not want to work with because I just wouldn't want to be with them as much time as I've had to spend with them, and it's amazing how people don't realize that your relationship ha- has a direct impact impact on your uh, on your wallet uh, you know for me you know when i'm mixing tv and stuff look there's a lot of guys that can mix post so i always want to be the guy who can work the room i always want to be able to to read a room and to be able to keep the relationship going and even something as simple as is vo um had a VO session yesterday, and that session I was a little more vocal because I was working with a producer who kind of you know kept on asking me what I thought and stuff like that. I had another VO session today, and it was an agency session, right? So there's five people behind you. You keep your mouth shut. You kind of push the buttons, and you kind of move it all along. It's those little things that kind of directly affect your pocketbook because it's whether or not people want to work with you. And that's one of my points when I was talking about making money, and I'm glad you brought this up, Scott, is is it's it's not just – there's this, the talent of, of you know, putting that waveform or editing that thing. Because literally nowadays with, with audio schools and stuff like that, there's hundreds of guys coming every <laughs> year. So, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, thousands. And every year they're just coming out of school. They're coming out of school. coming out of school. And it's like it's getting crowded out there. But It's been. Yeah, but then it's but then you start seeing okay, what's going to separate it? And a lot of times it's the relationship. And you know, it's a fine line because something which which I'm faced with all the time at the levels that I play at. Do you go for the quality and quote unquote be right, and do you do that at the detriment of alienating the client? The client's wrong. I'm right. I'm better. I know what you're doing. But the question then becomes. What kind of experience does the client have? Now, the other side is, do you let the client have their way and it doesn't sound good? Yeah. Now, here's the other the caveat. And it's just, the, the problem's filled with landmines because they think it's great until they ask their friends who go, by the way, it sounds like shit. <laughs> so now, all of a sudden, they got their way. They go, yeah, you know, last time we worked, it didn't sound very good. And then you go, but I gave you what you wanted, but you can't do that. So there's this weird little 
on a second by second basis. And it's something you're always going to deal with. Absolutely. I mean, the way I look at it with the, you know, when I'm producing somebody's record is it's your record. If that's what you want, I, I'm going to give that to you. And so, but it's the same thing. It's but like, that's, a trick. that's what you want, but you there's know, it's a great trick. What's the trick? You tell them, sure. They say, I need the vocal two to be louder. And you think it needs to be one dB lower. You put it up two dB louder. And then when they turn their head, you put it back down. <laughs> you know how much this is light hands. You have to do it all the time. <laughs> it's the old fader that doesn't work. They, oh, yeah, yes, here, you, you control right. it. Here, you do the, the reverb over here. Yeah. You have to do that, and, you know, they're always happy in the end because I, they got their But work. can I say something about this? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is interesting because at this table, we are all pretty much doing the same thing. You do it more for music. I do it more for audio. And But at the end of the day, the people that are telling you what to do, what is their perception of the people like us? That is the key. And this is the, the thing that we don't consider or people don't want to consider it, but it's the reality. Uh, because when you go see a film, you don't go see a film for the composer. You go see a film for the actors. Right. And it's the same story for the producers, and it's the same thing in every project. So it's up to you, yes, to be a, a people person and whatever, but at the end of the day, were you able to make your position valuable not only from the standpoint of your work, but also from from who you are as a person and what you do? Because this is something that is under attack every single day. And I'm talking when you receive certain agreements that you see what the company wants. Right. And you go, what the hell are you asking these rights for? Why are you trying to take away something for me that is very valuable to me but is not really valuable to you? And why are you trying to establish from the get-go a position where I put my foot on your face and you stay down? It's detrimental because at the end of the day, it's an ecosystem. If you break one piece, everything else will fall apart. So this is something that has to be mentioned because if an artist doesn't have self-respect, how do you expect other people to have respect for your work? It's not about saying yes. It's about, uh, it's about creating a sense of respect. And I know, you know, some clients don't understand this concept. Yeah. But you know, I, I think, you know, like, in my world, I work not for one person. God, I wish I did. Right. I, I kind of like working for the tough directors because, actually, they're the only ones with a voice. And it's actually easier, though they're tough people, to work with. So true. What happens is when you get people that are really nice, then you start working for committee. And then it becomes, I love it, I hate it, I love it, I know, let's think about it. And then we start losing our way, and all you do is go in circles. Um, you know, when I see great, great projects, I'll even say, like, you know, I've heard, oh, my God, Saving Private Ryan, the beginning. That was amazing. Never heard anything like that. And I love Gary Rystrom's work. But here's the thing. Every film we've ever done, more film, sounds exactly like that. So I don't go, oh, my God, how did Gary do that? That's not the question I have. The question I've always been, which I thought, my God, Gary, tip my hat off. How did you get them to drop the music? Hmm. How did you reassure them that this is the right way to go? That's, that's the artistry, is how do you get the client? Because when you talk about, look, there are my, my peers, uh, there's dozens of them that are all Oscar award-winning quality. So when we win the awards, it has nothing to do with who's better. 
It has to do with how did you get the opportunity <laughs> to be able to pull that off right. and to do and have the director kind of go, I want to support you in that. I mean, how I, did you get to that point? Can I ask you a question? Yes. Could it be that, and I, and I don't know these sure. people personally, but could it be that they created for themselves the perception of people that know what they're talking about and so they learned how to have people respect them? This is because you know when when you when you are in a room with a lot of big heads and stuff. Why am I considering you a big a big wig and I am not? I mean, if I am the audio guy and I know what I'm talking about, how come that for some reason you always think the producer knows better? It's a perception thing because yeah. artists, and I'm sorry to say, but they let that happen. Oh. Yeah, but you can't fight it. I mean, I did an animated film recently. It's when you see. But sorry, they said one more thing. Yeah. When they say we give you promotion in exchange for. When did that thing start? Where did it start? I mean, no, why, it never works in your favor. Why nobody at the at the from the very beginning went? Are you insane? Because do you want to come and wash my dishes for promotion? <laughs> because I don't know. It really comes down to this, and and I've done this film that uh, the director loved it, producer loved it, everybody loved it. We played it for the studio, and everyone's going, "This is great." The studio said, "Wow, way too loud." way too much hmm. and just because we see something doesn't mean we need to hear it and we're like what hmm. <laughs> and, and, and by the way there was nobody creative in the room that was making those comments hmm. but here's the thing is and this is what life is the person who has the final say is the one who's funding it of course not yeah. the creative person the person who's paying for it and like it or not whether it's a director or producer Whoever is the money guy. I agree with you, Scott, yeah. but what I'm trying to say is how come that when a producer walks into the room, it's not going to hold you, and I'm not saying you personally, but it's not going to hold the audio guy at the same level. I'm, I'm pretty much the same level as a gardener. <laughs> but, but, I'm serious. I mean, it's like, audio what? I don't have but a that, clue that's what, what I'm you saying. do. This perception but, started at some point, and it became now status quo no one no one walks into a room and say I think I'm going to really trust the sound engineer today that's not true that's not true hold on no, well in some cases yes yeah, they do okay. but I, I understand what you're saying but let me let me tell you because I work with a lot of producers a lot of different personalities and and two things number one you, you're right to a certain extent that um, sometimes I'll I'll have an editor in a mix okay an editor will be in the mix and I'm like Okay, the edit's really good, but what makes him or her think that they even remotely know better about the mix than me, right? So especially when they're doing stuff that's blatantly not right. It's like, no, 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 that's, that's not right. It just doesn't sound good. Now, I'll never voice that. You know, you're, I'm always up and, yeah, hey, sure, whatever. But it's like I'm amazed at some of these producers who just – Basically, hand it like here you go, editor, and you're like, oh, the editor. So the editor's doing the mix, right? Yeah, 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 the editor. I mean, there's one. Literally, there's one editor that that we cannot. When the we have to match the reference mix, it's like match the reference mix, and we're like, the reference mix is wrong. Here's here's a really. This is the worst example, and. And I'm not going to say anything, but you can probably <laughs> You're getting this too up. close to getting right. <laughs> so I, like, I worked on this this network TV show, and I did a mix, and the producers were both there, and did the whole mix. And I, I'm there, I'm mixing, making sure, checking in with everything, and it's what Scott said. They finish it, they play it for somebody else. Somebody else thought 
it wasn't good. Didn't like it. I'm doing all these changes that they're telling me to do. They don't like it over here. Had to remix the whole thing. And afterwards, they was like, oh, you know, and basically I put it back to where it was the first place. Mm. But it's like, you're going to get hung out to dry. And, and really, when they came up, they're, <laughs> they're like, you know, it just, it just wasn't what we were looking for. And I'm like, how wasn't that what you were, lo- you were telling me what to do every step in the way? I don't, I don't make this stuff up. But in the end, you know, they were all happy and it all turned out okay. But, it, you know, it's exactly right. Sometimes the person who's making the call, A, you know a lot more than, but you still got to have to play the game. And, and eventually because their job is to, is to run the dog and pony show. And the, and That's what their job is. You know, you asked the question, how to get respect. And, and respect comes in a very strange way in Hollywood, I believe. And that is who you know and what awards have you won. So if you've won three Oscars, that means you have three Oscars. Yep. They don't. They're going to listen. Yep. If you are blah blah's guy or you've worked with three people and they think, oh, my God, they're the best, and you know them, all of a sudden, that's respect. Nobody has respect for the actual the work you do, to be honest. They have respect for who you work with and how you're perceived in the business. And it's, and it's a fascinating situation. I think you're right, though. The whole respect thing plays a lot into what you're talking about. It actually plays into your pocketbook because – you know what? And let me change the word from respect to confidence because I find people will yeah, pay if they're too, confident yeah. in you and they want to work with you. I, I know when, I, when I'm talking to um, an intern and when I'm trying to help them out and you know, I say, look, your job when you sit in this chair is you got to instill confidence in the people behind you. Right, they have to know that they've that you're their safety net. That you're not going to let anything bad audio-wise happen. And the more you prove that, the more confidence that you'll get, and the more power that you can get, and the more the more they start listening to you. I've got some clients where it's a total collaborative effort because we've done some pretty cool stuff and won some awards, like you were talking about. And then other clients, I have to match their reference max. <laughs> but, but a lot of times, how many times have you seen people that? They're not bad. They're just not really that great yeah. doing amazing projects. Well, that's true. That you go, how can this guy who's who's amazing, off the charts crazy, isn't getting anywhere as close to this person who's got one-tenth the talent yeah. of this other person? It's perception. Yeah, that's so true. So when you ask about how to make money, it's, it's perceived create, well. It's per- <laughs> well, no. It's perce- you know what? <laughs> Perception is reality. That's and, you know it, and, and that's kind of a you know what you don't have to like it. That's amazing. And I think you yeah. know what I think we're going to end it on there. I think that's a that's a good place to to end this conversation. And uh, perception is reality. Wow, that is deep, way deeper than I thought we were going to go. <laughs> Anyhow, hey, listen, if you have any uh, question or comments, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Before we go, um, really quick. Um, Dennis, are you working on any interesting projects you can talk about and want to? I have a few things coming up. I just renovated my studio, bought all that new gear, so I'm very excited about getting that. that cool. T- putting that to use. That's pretty much it. Sticking around town for a while. That's nice. So no Wembley Stadium this summer. No, but I have some interesting trips coming up later in the year. Well, that's so. cool. Nice. Is this being a a live sound mixer. I know most of my live sound friends. I never see them in the summer because they're always out. Have you? Is this like a like a, an anomaly that you're actually home in this the summer? Pretty much. Like first time in like 19 years or something. No, I wouldn't say that much. I've I've been gone four months this year already. Wow. So being back now and it was intentional. I had 
two or three things, I'd said, no, I'm sorry, I just need to stay home. Well, don't, you know what? The key is don't get any real plants because they. I have cactus. <laughs> cacti <laughs> out of my house in the desert. That's awesome. Water them once a month. Nick, how about you? You working on anything fun and exciting? Yeah, I'm working on. I'm writing music for about three different games uh, and enjoying that a tremendous amount. I'm continuing my transition from Logic to Cubase, which I've really enjoyed. And I'll see you tomorrow at that Nuendo Nuage Cubase thing. Oh, yeah. If, which if is going to be great. Make it. <laughs> oh, you can make it. You'll be there. Um, and uh, on another. On another Topic, um, a couple weeks ago, I was actually promoted to director at Disney. Oh, wow. Congrats, man. So, oh, great. Now i got to update the bio on the Update the, the bio, bio. So that was it. That We've was got unex- a director. It was unexpected, and it was a huge you, honor, you and I'm very, what? very grateful. You totally deserve it. I just want to tell you that. You're, you're just such a... Your Glad you added two more awesome. hours to your day. <laughs> it's okay. And your 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 chops and you, I'm very, very, very get- grateful. Well, I mean, what, when you talk... What's your real title, then, as a result? Director Audio Disney Consumer Products. Okay, so you're director of the audio part. So people don't misunderstand. Yeah. Not as a director. Not as, as a, a film director. As a film director. I am yes. director of the audio department for Disney Publishing Worldwide. So, it's you even know, bigger. So it's, if it's if awesome. How to make money? Go talk to Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Ask him a job. And if, <laughs> that's and how if you, you do it. If you want to hear some of uh, Nick's work, just go... By Grim Fandango. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, I know I always talk about it, but it's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, Brandon, you're working on uh, some kind of cool stuff. Got some fun new stuff in the works right now, exciting stuff. Can't talk about it yet. So All right, I we will won't. update in the future. We will not say anything. Um, Diego. Yes. I am working on a book based on uh, Scott's quotes. It's going to be perception is reality. Was that perception is reality? Perception is reality. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm still working on things that uh, I haven't announced yet. All right. Building stuff, uh, collecting way too many objects. I can't fit them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know. Just generally living my perception as reality, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Scott? What uh, cool movies? By the way, Book of Life. But we bought Book of Life oh, for did the you? kids. And once again, that's such a fantastic movie. You did a great job with the the sound. Thank the you. Soundtrack, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is amazing. Thank you. Uh, that the soundtrack. We is put a little special love in for the DVD Holy version. Smokes. It's it's so good. I mean, I just Thank if you. you have kids, even if you don't have kids, it's a great story. It, the whole thing is works really good. And so. you know, I tell you, just to comment on the director is just a wonderful guy, and and it's one of those rare times you work with a client. And, you know, the second thing he said to me when we were ending the work, he was, why aren't we in Facebook together? And then we threw a, a little party at my house, and him and the producer actually came. Mm. And they spent the whole time there having fun. And it's just, it's great when you get an opportunity to work with just nice people. Yeah. So Brad, Jorge, just love the guys. That's awesome. Uh, for me, um, most of it I can't talk about, actually. But I will say, though, as a little tease amongst many things that I'm doing, uh, I've been heavily, heavily getting into VR. So, um, <laughs> virtual reality for those people. Yeah, VR and ARL. So, that's added, yeah. Dead Halls, that's all I can say. Yeah. Dead Halls is an awesome game. Scare the bejeebies out of you. <laughs> Bobby, how about you? You know, same as last week when right. we did the last podcast. No, uh, no, no. This is, this is weeks later. Oh, uh, weeks later. Well, same as last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, coaching courses, books, studio, 
I'm busier than ever, so it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Um, well, right now, like like I said last time, most of my series have ended. I'm just doing promo work right now, but going to be doing. Um, I'm shooting a lot, so I'm going to be going to Dallas for five days, doing a big shoot on a mini rave thing. That's actually kind of fun. We're doing 4K and three camera guys. It's kind of it started like, hey, can you come shoot this thing? And now it's like, can you come shoot this thing? So it's. Wow. Are you directing? Yeah, I'm directing, Ooh. and I'm also I'm also shooting. So it's it's gonna be pretty cool. It's are you gonna write the really soundtrack good. too? No, <laughs> no, it's all it's all music. But it's I saw. Wait, like, wait. So you're doing it 4K? We're doing. I'm um, well. Our master shot's going to be 4K. We're okay. doing some 4K. We're, a lot of the the regular camera guys, the guys that are roving, it's all going to be um, 1080. Because you know what? 4K is such a, a process hog, but it, it looks so gorgeous. Even when you down-convert, down-converted 4K to, to 1080 looks gorgeous. And the other thing, too, is when you shoot in 4K, you can um, reframe. So it's really easy to reframe. You've got just such a, a, a great... Um, canvas to work with so the master shot the master camera the one that i'm going to be working it's going to be on a crane so and make sure the audio is at 96 that's all going to be it's going to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not 48 <laughs> that's all going to be 4k because i want those big shots to be 4k but then we're going to be shooting you know a lot of tight and a lot of close-ups and things like that and that's all going to be 1080 so it'll be it'll be mixed match medium but you know you want to talk about technology going places Camera technology is just amazing, especially editing and color matching and looking, working with um, LUTs, like I, I had mentioned that before, th- um, 3D LUTs and things like that, where you basically now you, you shoot a flat image. Your image, if you look at the image that you're actually shooting in these cameras nowadays, like S-Log or C-Log or any of that, it looks like like a Polaroid from I don't know what that is. Okay, it's just a really flat. What you want is you're, you're getting a really no, S-Log flat. and C-Log, I don't know what that I think is. Those are... Those are color um, profiles of Sony for S-Log. C-Log is, is Canon. Basically what it is, is if to put it in audio world, is if you're – If your reference monitors that you're mixing, um, very flat, and then you can put in a uh, convolution reverb to emulate um, – uh, the you know Royal Albert Hall, and it changes your monitors into Royal Albert Hall. So think about that same thing with visuals. You have a really flat picture. You put S log, boof, it pops. The colors pop. So Samsung's and, got the happy curve with the well, bright colors. I mean, that's a real simple explanation. It's a little more deeper than that, but essentially, you have more in your video image that you can pull out. You're shooting a raw. In other words, yeah. Ah, well, it's yeah, actually sure it's kind of raw. Exactly. Yeah, well, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they do have raw. Raw is yet another thing, and I'm not shooting that because the cameras are expensive. And but can even, you improve also but, the sharpness? You can. Well, if you're if you're raw, you can do all that kind yeah, of stuff. Question: Are you shooting compressed? Um, I'm shooting to the ProRes HQ um, codec for um, Apple, That's so it is com- it is compressed. But it's it's manageable. Not Does that affect your ability then later on to be able to manipulate it? Because now you've got well, artifacts yeah. based on the compression. Well, it looks so clean. I mean, most of the stuff you see, you'd be amazed. I've seen stuff like I've seen ProRes LT, which is the lightest ProRes, make it all the way to air because they accidentally, you know, did it that way, and uh, and it, really? it looks looks really good. Rob, were you going to say something? Yeah, we just we have tons of stuff go to air as ProRes HQ, and it just looks awesome. You would never know. Yeah, it's 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 really. I mean, you you couldn't tell. There's 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 not a lot of artifacting going on or anything like that. Anyhow, all that to say is it's a whole. It's kind of exciting for me because I love 
the whole visual field. I love video too. And, it's a lot of learning. You know, and right? the uh, your, your storage. I mean, I'm having to think of storage on a whole different level because you don't. You're not working in like gigabytes, and yeah. you know you're working on terabytes upon terabytes. So you're like, yeah, we need a you know 12 terabytes just to collect all your information. And then you're thinking, how the heck are you going to back this up? Because I want two backups. And actually, when I shoot video, I get three backups because I usually take a whole set myself and I leave one. To where the client is, and then I send another one someplace else because I don't. That's it's so much money in the whole process that you just, you know. If how do you, you back want, it up then? Oh, I just do real time overnight. Usually, you could just go overnight. It'll take you know all evening just to do a dump. So like I'll dump all my stuff, and then and the other thing too is what I do is I make sure I never I don't want to erase any SD cards and I don't want to erase any um, SSD cards. Because I want to have it yet another backup. So after I after I I record it, and you know this is what basically DIT people do, right? So they get it, um, they dump it off, and so I now have it on my card. I won't use the same card twice that day. I'll make sure I get it locked at back at you know the hotel or wherever you're staying that evening. You review your footage, make sure it gets over, because you do not want to fry your, you don't want to format your card and then. All of a sudden, you realize, and you put it in any kind of RAID system. Exactly. Well, now with editing, now then it gets kind of complex. I'll tell you, this is the biggest shoot I've done with the most cameras ever done. So we're going to be inventing as we go along. Nice. <laughs> Amazon so, Glacier storage. <laughs> go and oh, I think the, that would be a really great way to be able to store. Here's this the kind problem of with with Glacier because I've got I've got S3 and I've got that. It's the upload time for all this data. Yeah, yeah, it's that's like. Right. Who has time for 12 terabytes to go up to the cloud? It's, there needs to be a business out there yeah. in L.A. where somebody comes, you bring your hard drive to them, and they've got a T1 or something yeah. upload, and they just like upload this stuff to Amazon Glacier yeah. for you. You start on Thursday, come back in two weeks, we'll give you a drive back. I mean, it's something like that. Anyhow, it's fun and exciting, and I'll give you guys a whole report, and you'll be able to see it when it, all, when it comes out. But um, All right. Well, hey, listen, um, Rob, are you working on anything you want to talk about? I'll tell you, the perception of my reality here is it's like <laughs> 1 a.m. and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've been watching so each eye independently, you know, moving and closing yeah. and opening. I mean, and- it's even late there, so it's definitely late here. But, uh, well, I'll just say that, you know, things continue to go great with the misses. Uh, we find ourselves again in the – we're still in the top 30 with the single You Told Me. We have another single coming out in a few weeks, and then uh, I'm getting ready to fly back to Austin to work on our Christmas song, which uh, it's very strange to do a Christmas song when it's 95 degrees outside, but uh, that's what we're doing. And so things are continuing to go great there. I'm actually also working on some other more post-related projects uh, in my studio in L.A., and I'm going to be back in L.A. shortly getting some of that stuff going. But as usual, a million different things going in a million different directions, but it's all good. And check out themisses.com if you haven't already. That's T-H-E-M-R-S dot com. And uh, you can see what I've been spending. It's about the last three years on so far. It's a pretty cool project. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, gang. Uh, it's been a great uh, podcast. This has been kind of fun. Dennis, thanks for showing up again, man. That's, that's pretty awesome. So for myself and all the guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Woo! See ya. Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.